You're listening to the Business Secret Podcast. The podcast is a chance for some of Wales' finest upcoming and established business owners to share the story of their business journey. Hosted by the team here at Penguin, our guests talk in depth about how they got to where they are today, offering invaluable advice on marketing, challenges, and the highs and lows of life as a business owner. If you like what you hear, then don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment across our socials. You can download your free copy of the book, The Business Secret, direct from our website on www.penguinwealth.com. The book is written for business owners by business owners, offering invaluable tips on time management, work-life balance, how to pick the right team, and so many more activities and tips to get you on the right track. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Penguin's Business Secret Podcast as we close quickly on uh, number 50 in episodes. Um, Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Tom Deans, the New York Times top 10 author of the book, Every Family's Business. With more than 1.3 million copies sold, it remains the best-selling family business book of all time. And then Tom's second book, the sequel, Willing Wisdom, which was released in 2014, has quickly also become an international bestseller. Willing Wisdom, seven questions successful families ask. It draws on extensive research and experience to help families start conversations about how to leave more than money to the next generation. Tom is a highly sought-after international public speaker on succession planning and philanthropy philanthropic giving, I'm rubbish with that word, (laughs) and has delivered more than a thousand speeches in 26 countries. And he talks about how his family successfully transitioned three of their businesses for more than a hundred million dollars. If you're in business, you can't be nothing but amazed by that number. So there must be stuff you can learn from this guy. So please be prepared to unlearn everything you thought you knew about business succession planning. Both of Tom's books deal with the intergenerational transition of family wealth. And I was delighted to learn recently, guys, that Dr. Dean's earned his PhD from the University of Warwick over here in the UK. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not all about the American. Um, or Canadian, sorry, Tom. <laughs> his, his talk, his message isn't just about making money, selling businesses or clever tax plans. It's about giving his audience the confidence and inspiration to view estate planning as a rare opportunity to, sorry, to transition wisdom to family, community and country. Anyone listening to this episode, guys, all you business owners will take away valuable ideas that will help you transition a business to family or even outside of the family, help you protect your family wealth in an operating business, and start the important family conversations about estate planning. Did I miss anything off that, Tom? No, Greg, uh, that was that was comprehensive and great to join you. Looking forward to our, our chat. Excellent. Well, maybe we can start the episode off by you maybe giving us an overview of how, how you see business transitions going today. Our business owners and families generally in good shape with all that's gone on the last 18, 24 months? Well, you know, Craig, the the quick answer is business, family business transitions are actually going pretty poorly. Um, Not to pull any punches, but what we know from the data um, in 26 countries where I've spoken, the data is is pretty much the same. Only 30% of family businesses will transition successfully to the next generation. I mean, that's a staggering amount of wealth destruction, 70%, never make it to the next generation. So that, that business will either liquidate, go bankrupt, something will go wrong with, with inside the family, with the family dynamics and the relationships, and only 30% survive. But here's the shocker. Only 10% of the 30% will make it to the third generation. So stated differently, if you've got some business founders, that first generation who started that business, and they're listening to this podcast, they need to understand that they have a 3% chance of their grandchildren owning and operating their business. Those are really long odds. I don't like those odds at all. 
So how does that happen then, Tom? Because a lot of business owners I speak to and, and listen to this podcast and, you know, between the advising penguins books over the years, a lot of people, when you ask them, what made you start a business? Obviously, the usual answers are I wanted to control my time or I had an idea or, you know, those kind of things. But a lot of people say I wanted to leave a legacy. I want to leave something for my family to come into to grow. So, so what, how does that go wrong? What, you know, why do people spoil it? It's interesting. I think when people do start businesses, they're not thinking about a legacy. They're thinking about making money. If you ask a founder on day one why they are creating a business, why they've left a safe job, why they borrowed money from family, taken, dipped into their own savings to, to invest in a dream, right? Legacy is a long way down the list. It's only when that business owner has built something successful do they start to pivot and think about leaving the business or viewing the business as their greatest work of art, their legacy. And then I come along and kind of blow up that idea because I think it is actually one of the most dangerous wealth destroying idea to imagine that your business is a legacy. And to really drive home that point, Craig, let me ask you a question. Who was the founder of Coca-Cola? It's, oh, couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you. Well, guess what? I can't tell you either. And nor am I particularly interested in Googling it. I don't care. Coca-Cola is, is an enormously successful global brand. The, the third most valuable consumer brand in the world. And no one knows who the founder is. And when I'm doing a lot, Live event. When I'm doing a large convention and I've got a thousand people, you know, business owners in my audience, and I ask that question rhetorically, no one knows. It's crickets. It's total silence. Now, think about, you know, the business owners that are listening in today. Maybe they're, maybe they've got a manufacturing business or a service business or a software company or a retail operation or they're a something. Think about honestly, honestly answer the question. In 50 years, who, do you think people will remember who you were, the founder? It's my way of, of making the point that a business is not a legacy. A business is merely an instrument of wealth creation. Your business is not your friend. It's not your pet. It's not your community. It is a serious undertaking that creates wealth or gets smaller and destroys wealth. And most business owners leave that business transition peace to the very end of their career and they run out of they get old they run out of energy and they usually mess it up they usually wait too long to figure out and asking the question and answering the question who will buy my business who will buy it for the highest amount and the point that i'm trying to make is it's not about denying the next generation something in fact what we've done in our family over the course of 100 years and four businesses is we've, always, we've never transitioned a business inside our family. We have always sold them and then transitioned the wealth. Yeah. Yeah. You see that little shift there? It's really easy to transition cash. It's really hard to transition an operating business when the next generation either doesn't want to risk their capital to buy it at full market value, or they lack the talent or the commitment or the passion to take that business and grow it. So what we often end up coming back full circle is the business founder transitioning this thing that they think is their legacy to someone who is a reluctant owner. And then why do you, that, why do you think why do you think that is, Tom? Is that is that culturally because as they become successful, we spoil our kids? Is it because we don't get you know? Have you, has any research shown about why that happens? 
Well, the best way to answer that, there's a whole, there's a long list of reasons why that next generation uh, blow up a business. And in many cases, it has nothing to do with the second generation. It's just that that business has actually come to the end of its productive life cycle. This is another point that a lot of people don't want to talk about, right? If you look at the data, if you, if you, um, I'm sitting in Toronto right now, but if I look to my south and I look at, a, at, a, at U.S. data, um, of the 100 largest firms in America in the year 1900, do you know that only 16 of those businesses were still in business in the year 2000? That's not a, that's not a random list of 100 firms. That's America's largest firms. And they've got 100 years of fantastic growth in front of them, and yet only 16 were standing. We do not culturally like to look at business failure. We like to read about and study success but the reality is the vast majority of businesses do not last 50 years, never mind 100 years. And so instead of answering the question, how do I perpetuate my business? Isn't it far more interesting to ask the question, where's my business in its life cycle? And I think the best way to answer that question is to ask a number of different potential buyers if they want to risk their capital to buy your business. If your children say no, they don't want to buy your business. If your key employees don't want to risk their capital to buy your business or your competitors or your suppliers or a private equity fund say, no, they don't want to buy your business. Craig, where do you suspect that business is in its life cycle? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of an example, Tom, because that's, that's fascinating. But I mean, go on. I mean, I obviously I read what's in the book about it. So, you know, how does, how, you know, how does someone know? I mean, you know, everyone thinks their business is, is what we would call the, you know, the, the dog's danglies over here. You know, it's, uh, we all think our business is great and it's still got plenty of years in it when we come to that point. So how, how yeah, how, I'm just trying to work out an area where that, that, that would be, that would come across as knowing that it was at the end of that cycle because no one wants to admit that. Yeah, I think what often happens is people start, business founders are a special breed. First of all, if they built a business and it's still in business after five years, 80% of, of businesses don't make it five years. Yeah. So, so when they make it 10 years and 15 years and 20 years, business founders, rightfully so, feel incredibly proud of what they've accomplished, right? So this is, this is what's hard about delivering my message. It's not a commentary on the business founder and how smart they are and how hard they've worked. Well, actually, what I'm trying to do is protect wealth. In fact, if you look at the subtitle of my book, uh, Every Family's Business, it's 12 common sense questions to protect your wealth not 12 common sense questions to help you make more money. Business founders who survive more than 10 years don't need help making more money. They actually need help reminding them that their business at some point in time will die. And when a business owner can say, my business one day won't be here, those are incredibly powerful words. It's a, well, contrari it's a contrarian thought. Well, I was just about to say, hearing you say those words is almost like a dagger to the heart because yeah, I've started to think the last couple of years, I'd love for my kids, if they're interested in my profession, to come into the business. But you're quite right. You know, there's a number of things you said there. But, you know, you've in your book, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to read the book and you talk around the world, Tom. I know you're sharing a, a contrarian message to business owners and their families. So what compelled, you know, what, what was the experience? What compelled you to write that book on the subject that, you know, is as old as business itself? Well, I think anyone who writes a decent book is trying to convince themselves of an idea, not the readers. 
So really, I think what I'm doing on the pages of every family's business is working through in my own mind and trying to make sense of my own family's history. Um, starting back, you know, actually in Edinburgh, my great grandfather had uh, a number of hotels that, uh, that we did not, he did not gift those to my grandfather. He sold it and transferred his wealth. And then my grandfather uh, emigrated to Canada. Um, he, he, then we got into tire distribution over here and uh, that business was sold. Um, my father started a plastics company with, his, with an inheritance. Uh, that's the business that I joined at the age of 37 and I was CEO for eight years. And that's the business that we sold on February 8th, 2007. I mean, do you see a pattern in our family over the course of a hundred years? Other than yeah. the fact that we can't keep a job, right? We, we, we start businesses, we scale them, and then we never give them to our kids. We ask them to buy them, and we never have. We've always sold them to a third party, and then we transition the wealth to the next generation who starts a business that they're passionate about. Yeah. And, and so I wrote that book. I wrote that book. Listen, the family business literature is full of books. And they all say the opposite. They all say the job of a founder is to invite the family in and against all odds, figure out how you're gonna get that business into their hands. And if you don't, somehow you fail. I flipped it upside down and said, no, no, it's not your job to get it into the next generation's hand. Your job is to make money. It's the same idea you had when you, when you started that business. How can you unlock and harvest the value that you have built in that business? How can you monetize that business by selling it inside the family, selling it outside the family? I'm agnostic. I Seriously, I don't, I don't prescribe when a business should be sold or who it should be sold to, but it must be sold. And so the obvious question that pops out of that, of course, is, well, I think my kids would buy my business. My children would buy my business, but they don't have any money. How does that work? So what I like to say is, look, if you sat down with your financial advisor in a family meeting and took some money out of the equity of your operating business and then gifted it to your children and then asked them the question, would you like to buy my business? And don't tell me you don't have any money because I just gave you some. Yeah. Guess what? Guess what, Craig? Yeah. Guess what most kids do? I say they take the money and run. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. So why, why are the next generation, when, when business founders don't have these family meetings and relying on their advisors to facilitate these, these meetings and those conversations that I just described, what you have is you have the next generation hanging around the family business because they know that's where the majority of the family money is. It's in the business. That's what they do, right? We, yeah. They make money. They put it back into the business year after year after year after year. And the next generation know it. So the next generation feel like if we don't demonstrate some interest in this business, somehow my brother or sister is gonna get more. So everyone's hanging around the business for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, and the founder's not riding them to do the job well because it's their kids and yeah, yeah, yeah that's fascinating. I, I love the 12 questions in your book. I, you know, I've, I've got them on a separate sheet and I, and I read them and I, and I love them. Um, you know, you talk about the 12 questions being the subtitle. Can you give, maybe give an overview to people listening today of some of those 12 questions? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I would hone in on, you know, um, like some of the earliest questions and the order of the questions are really important. So question number one is, you know, 
these are questions that would be asked to um, either the controlling shareholder or the family that is maybe considering joining the business or it's in the business. And it's a very simple, very benign, friendly, easy question to ease into the conversation around the transition of the business. And, and the question is this, what does the business look like in five years? Now, Craig, if the next generation goes and answers the question this way, um, I think the business in five years will be, oh, I don't know, kind of bigger and stuff. Probably not wise to proceed to question number two. Okay. That, is, that is not the answer of a, of a successful next generation. If, if, your, if your child answers the question, what does the business look like in five years? Well, if you're asking me to give you an honest answer, I would, I think we need to improve our online presence. This global pandemic has forced us to move online. We have no strategy there. We need to invest in that. I would restructure the management. It's too old. We need, we need younger, less expensive employees. We need to kill this product line because it's got a negative gross margin. We need to do this and this and this and this and this. That is the answer of a next generation owner, right? Often founders confuse really, I don't know, committed employees with owners. They're, 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 com they're completely different. Owners understand that growth comes from dismantling business models, reinventing the product lines and services. They're thinking down the road, they're forward-looking. They're not just hardworking, they're thinkers, they're doers. And so that's what that question does right away. It just, you're going to discern whether or not you've got a, a potential owner in your house. Yeah. Any other 12 jump out either you that are worth sharing with people listening today? Yeah, you know, this is, a, you know, question number three uh, would be a question that would go to either key employees or family members in a business. And it just simply asks them whether or not they would risk their capital with the view of acquiring control, yes or no. And, and I should note that a lot of these questions are yes and no, require yes and no answers. Not big, long answers, but just you're either interested in buying it at full market value based on a third-party valuation, like no discounts for family. And I, we, could, we could spend a half an hour on why that's important. But, you know, pay attention to the answer to that question. Often when the next generation realize that they have to buy it at full market value based on a third-party valuation, they're like, they're going to tap and they're going to tap out. They're going to say, I'm, I'm done. No, I like my job, but no, I don't want to mortgage my house, you know, take on personal debt to buy the business. Yeah. Basically, exactly what the founder did, right? Yeah. They don't want to do it. They want an easier path, or they, or they truly just. Sometimes that next generation is actually seeing the risks to the business in ways that founders have blind spots. Well, you mean because they've seen the sleepless nights of mum and dad, and you know, and and him working sixty hours a week, or her working sixty, you know, that kind of stuff. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. And there, you know, that business may be twenty-five years old, thirty years old, thirty-five years old. It's run its course. It's just. It's, it's just not well prepared for the next 30 years and the children don't want to take on that risk. So they're like, no, I'm done. Or key employees also, when you ask that question, they don't want to be buyers. Listen, if you don't have a family member, key employee, or even competitors who want to buy your business, you probably left business succession planning or exit planning too late. And that's, that's scary, right? Because 
Yeah, I haven't met. I've spoken, I don't know, in 26 countries. I've delivered, you know, a thousand paid speeches. I have yet to meet a business owner after my speech when I'm signing books. I've yet to meet a business owner who can afford to squander the value, the equity that they built up in that business. They need to monetize it and they need to fund what is going to be the, the most expensive retirement in the history of this planet. And the and, and, and so the old business success succession plan, right? The oldest page in the playbook is business founder retires, hands over the operations to their children, pulls a salary, right? While the kids are running the business, you know, takes off to Spain or Portugal, right? While the kids are gonna run the business. That is the oldest page in the playbook, and it's not working anymore. You know why? Because business owners, business founders, they're not dying at 72. They're dying at 92. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to pull a salary for, for, for 20 years. And guess what? Then their children are in their 60s and 70s, and their parents are in their 90s. And the children, that, that just gets old, right? The next generation want something that is more intoxicating and compelling than, than, than money. What is it? What is, what, do, what is like rocket fuel to business owners? That's way more interesting than money. It's control. It's control. They want control. They want to get up in the morning. No one tells them what to do. And rightfully so. They've earned that control. They've earned that independence. They've worked hard. They've reinvested in their business. They have balance sheets that have no leverage. They're not bumping into their banking covenants. Like they're, they've worked hard to create that, that fun business to run because they have no debt. So, I mean, so some fascinating stuff there, Tom. Um, and I think one of the things is as well, as you, as you say, I, I've seen it at least five times in the last couple of years where someone has left the business to the kids or to someone, key employees, and then, you know, it's been pulled off the beach or being pulled out of the villa in Spain and had to come back into the business. And yeah, it just hasn't worked, didn't work for various reasons. So I think that's fascinating. I imagine, I imagine you've had many, you know, you've had many people reach out to you to answer the questions or you've had conversations with people as, as part of the work you do. Any memorable responses? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously with 1.3 million copies in circulation, I get emails and phone calls all the time from business owners who have, who have read the book. And I, I mean, really has transformed their lives because I think I think intuitively business owners know when they look at the next generation and they're not as driven or not as passionate about the business and yet all the literature and culturally everyone is saying it's your job Mr. or Mrs. business founder to get that business into the next generation's hands and if you don't you're a public failure and so I come along and say are you kidding me you're not a failure. It's not your job to it's not your job to get your business into the hands of the next generation. It's your job to make money. It's your job to harvest the wealth in that business. And then you can transition that wealth to the next generation. It's really easy to divide cash among your heirs. And that's what that obviously leads us into willing wisdom. And you know, the second book, the sequel, which helps families talk about the transition of cash. But an operating business, leaving an operating business, a hard to divide asset into the hands of someone or multiple family members, what does that look like? You got 27 million UK adults without a will and half of all business owners in the UK don't even have a will. 
So if they die in testing without a will, right? The government has a nifty little formula for dividing up that, that business among heirs, thrusting them into business as, as equal shareholders in many cases. That is craziness. And then of course, what happens is family members hire solicitors or there's, there's no liquidity. There's no liquidity to buy out brothers or sisters. And so you've got this business in the hands of the wrong people. And I tell business founders all the time, if that's your plan to let the children slug it out, you'll be remembered just not fondly. <laughs> yeah, crack on. And don't forget the, the deceased spouse, uh, the surviving spouse is going to want something from it somewhere as well, probably. Exactly. Um, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about people plan leave either don't plan or leave it too late. So, what what kind of tips would you give people listening to this about the the planning journey? And you know, I know Stephen Covey with the famous one said, you know, start with the end in mind. And you know, I'm conscious that many business owners don't, and as you said, leave it till the last minute, especially in my profession. What top tips would you give people in that that area about the planning process? Yeah, start just start right away. They they say the best time to plant an oak tree is 25 years ago. The second best day is today, right? And same thing with business succession planning. When a business owner in their 80s begins succession planning, it's like trying to land a, a, a jumbo jet on a postage stamp. Like it just doesn't work. So time is your friend or it's your worst enemy. So starting at a, at a young age, um, when a business founder can ask their young child whether or not they want to just take a small little loan and buy one share, one share, and just start to plant that idea that working in the business is different than owning the business. They're two separate conversations, but planting that idea and, and starting young. Because remember, you can take a dividend from a share and then reinvest that dividend to buy more shares. And, and then you would have two shares. And then the next year, your dividend would be twice as big. And then you would take that dividend and buy three shares and then six. And, and it actually, you can use dividend streams to actually accelerate exponentially the control towards control. But that only works when you've got a lot of time, right? So exploring whether or not you've got the next generation who wants to buy it. And if, you, and if the answer is no, then start to educate yourself on what it, it takes to position your business for sale because it doesn't happen overnight. The average business owner takes six years to fully maximize and develop a process to really take a business to market and, and, and to extract the highest value from that bit. It just does not happen overnight. It's hard work and you've got a business to run. So you're actually taking on another job. And so- and building a team, right? Building a good team with an advisor to help you start to plan what you would do with the sale proceeds. Um, you know, a good M&A advisor, uh, a good estate uh, advisor, structuring your estate for the inevitable sale of that business. Like the more you can do upfront before the sale, obviously the, the more tax you're gonna save, the more efficient that, that process, process is gonna go. Yeah, for interesting you say that. I remember our very first guest, and he wrote the forward for our book, The Business Secret. The very first guest on the podcast when we launched it was an MA advisor. And he did say he gets people coming to him saying, Can you sell it in the next six months? And generally, as you said, it's a process. He takes people on over a period of years, gets them ready, gets them more efficient because to maximize value, actually, if you haven't already been thinking about it, you really do need to go on a journey. So, yeah, that, 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 is, that is fascinating. Um, 
All right, Thomas, we start to bring this together. Some great stuff. If, if you could chase three things that every business owner who's listening right now um, should do straight after this podcast, what would they, what would they be? Well, the very first thing I would do is if you're not working with an advisor, you know, find one like yourself that is skilled in business transitions. This is not, this is not a do-it-yourself project. It's not like, you know, going to the store on the week and buying some wood and building a fence in the backyard. This, that is going to end badly. There, I would argue, in fact, Craig, that business succession planning is the most complicated, emotional and vexing problem that a business owner will be confronted with in their career. It is, it doesn't shock me at all that business owners ignore this subject because it's, it's hard to say goodbye to the thing you love. It's hard to think about that. It, it feels final. Um, so, you know, reach out, build a team, get an advisor that understands what business succession planning is and how they can help resource and, and start to put a, a plan in place. Uh, second of all, please get a will. If you're a business owner and you don't have a will, trust me, um, if you leave an operating business to a surviving spouse who doesn't really understand that business, maybe they don't have the same relationship with the lenders or the employees or the customers. In fact, I would, Craig, I get more phone calls from elderly women. Okay, remember, guys predecease statistically, right? Women. I get more phone calls from elderly women whose business owner husbands have predeceased them. And you know what they tell me? They want to bring their husband back from the dead and kill them themselves. <laughs> they, they are not happy. Yeah. They are not happy. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine leaving your business to maybe your spouse who doesn't maybe have the, the required licenses or expertise or the passion or the knowledge or the relationships. I mean, it, no wonder there is so much wealth destruction in the modern economy because 90% of UK businesses are family owned and controlled. And then finally, I would say, have a family meeting, R read every family's business, ask, go through the 12 questions with your family, start the conversation. Um, and I would really encourage people to involve their advisor in that conversation. It, it is an awkward conversation. So by having a third party like yourself in the room while you're asking the questions, I think can kind of lower the temperature, give that meeting some structure and give it some business, a little bit of a business feel. Because uh, really you're gambling with the biggest stakes of your life. You're dealing with the equity of, that you've built up in your business for a lifetime. Uh, you got to get it right. And so by involving a skilled professional, I think the chances are, are vastly improved. I tell you what, Tom, it's fascinating what you've said there. I mean, I, I don't usually plug on these podcasts what we do as a practice, but we've created this concept called LEAP, Legacy Extraction Accumulation Protect. Um, and, but I, and although LEAP goes obviously L-E-A-P, we actually start with the P and everything you've just said there about the thing we've done the most of the last two years. I don't know whether it was led more by the pandemic or just because more businesses have started in South Wales. But the amount of protection we are putting in place for business owners to make sure that if, heaven forbid, they do go under that bus so that the spouse doesn't have to bring them back and kill them themselves, we are putting that value in place. Whatever they think the business is worth, let's make sure that if you don't make it, that money is available so you can transition the wealth to the spouse, to the kids. That, that, you know, and, and then if the business is worth nothing or someone has to do a fire sale to keep your legacy going, then fine. But let's make sure that that pot of money is there, that disaster plan is there so that you don't have some of those challenges you mentioned. So yeah, I'm sorry for the shameless plug about the good that we do, but yeah, absolutely. That is, I've never thought of it in that way about the, you know, the spouse being left with it and bringing him back to, to want to kill him because she doesn't want to, he or she doesn't want to do it. But 
yeah, that's uh, thank you for that. That's uh, fascinating. So, Tom, I'm, I'm hoping to get you. I'm hoping to get a webinar lined up for you on on your family business book. Um, what would if someone, if enough people reach out to me to say, yeah, let's do that? What can people expect to learn that we haven't covered today from from you? Yeah, I think, well, we've got some time, obviously, to maybe survey clients and find out, you know, in some of the areas, I touched on a lot of different areas today, uh, transition, and, and but there is so much ground to cover. We could, uh, we could have survey people and figure out where we can do a little bit of a deeper dive to help people, you know, you know, in a subject, as I said, that is really awkward and difficult and, and give them the confidence and the courage just to begin these conversations. Any final thoughts, Tom, before maybe I bring this all together and uh, just close everything up? No, I, I would just really kind of just end on this point that if you're a business owner and you're feeling like you're the only one going through this, this conundrum, this difficult kind of conversation in your head, trust me, uh, every business owner, businesses are tricky to start. When you invite family in to those businesses, they become a little bit tricky to manage, but Exiting, transitioning a family business, it is the toughest thing a business owner will have to confront. And you're not alone. There are, there are I've, I have helped thousands of business owners gain the confidence and the courage to tackle this problem and then really protect their greatest asset of all. And it's not the equity in their business. It's their family relationships. And that's really what every family's business is. Wow. Yeah, powerful stuff. Uh, well, thank you for your time, Tom. Join us all the way from uh, from Canada. Um, everyone listening, please do join us. Join Penguin on the 7th of September at 2 p.m. I've got a special live webinar with Dr. Tom Deans. We've arranged for him to come and speak to the Penguin family about his second book, The Will and Wisdom, and how important the great conversations are when planning inheritances and legacy. Also, I'm sure the business theme will come through that, but mostly it's about the sort of deep conversations about legacy. After this webinar, we will officially launch the UK version of Tom's tool, The Will and Wisdom Index, which we through reaching out to Dr. Deans during, uh, during the COVID pandemic, have now brought to the UK and, and are helping many people around the country through our relationship, sort of bring this bring this to life and, and help the UK maybe make this a more, or maybe a less taboo subject. So I do feel that it's a taboo subject over here. So please do email us. I've got some copies of Every Family's Business. If anyone wants the book, please do email me. Um, it's craig at penguinwealth.com or, or, or info at penguinwealth, whatever's easier for you. But if you would like, after listening to Tom today, if you would like to hear Tom talk more about do a deep dive on some of this stuff. Um, you know, I'm happy to arrange another webinar. Tom's agreed that he will come over again um, to talk. Sorry, I say come over, join us live. Um, hopefully we'll come over at some point, but join us live if there's enough interest on this subject. So please do go to penguinwealth.com or email, email info at penguinwealth.com. Register an interest in this if you're a business leader and you want to start thinking more about the succession journey that Tom's alluded to. And if we get the response we're hoping for, I'd be delighted to bring him over here for, a, for another visit later this year or maybe early next. Tom, thank you very, very much for your time. Any closing comments? No, I just, I just really look forward to the webinars because obviously, unlike a podcast, we can take questions, right? We can get more interactive and that, that would be a really fun session. So thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation to join me today. I really, I enjoyed it. Great conversation. Excellent. Fantastic. Thank you, Tom. All the best and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Business Secret Podcast and managed to take away some valuable tips and activities to help you in your business journey. This podcast is aimed at those about to start their self-employed life, are already well into their time as a business owner or are interested in the business world of Wales. 
If you like this episode of the Business Secret Podcast, you can catch up on our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Every episode is available on our website on www.penguinwealth.com where you'll find a full transcription of each episode, useful links, and a step-by-step process on how to download and keep any episode released. You can also download your free copy of our book, The Business Secret, direct from our website. Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts.